This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup. You're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Amy on from iSolved. And our topic today is why regimented PTO policies aren't cutting it with employees. Amy's a returning guest. And actually, at the beginning of COVID, she taught me something, uh, a term that I, I, I think I trademarked uh, after we talked. But anyhow, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> radical flexibility. Uh, because I was asking her about, uh, you know, what's going on? How are you doing with this? She's, and I remember you saying, Amy, like, oh, yo, it's just flexibility. It's actually radical flexibility. Like yeah. everything's on the table. And I'm like, oh, absolutely. Stealing that. <laughs> stealing. Anywho, <laughs> would you do us <laughs> would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and I saw? Absolutely. So yeah, I'm Amy Mosier. Uh I've been an HR uh, generalist uh, and manager for uh, almost 25 years now, which is really starting to date myself. I think at, I need to. At, I at one point, to... you stopped saying the years. <laughs> at one, you know, hey, hey, pro tip: I went into LinkedIn and deleted everything uh, uh, before 2000. Love, I'm going to steal that from nothing, you. Nothing, <laughs> nothing like again, like a ghost town. There's nothing that happened before 2000. And I want to do it when we get to when I get when we get to 2030, I'll do it to 2010. I'll be like, eh, none of that gone. So. Mental note taken. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so so I, you know, I've been around the block here from an HR perspective. I've been here and I solved as the chief people officer for about two and a half years. I solved as an incredible business, um, just a scaling um, enterprise level HCM solution with benefit services, consulting. Um, you name it, this thing is end to end. And we drink all our own champagne here at ISOL. So we've grown the business very significantly in the last year and a half um, from a headcount and a revenue perspective. And we've really done it by leveraging our own technology. So I know it works uh, and uh, probably best kept secret in HCM right now. So go out there and, and, t- and take a look if you get a chance. That's my shameless plug for the day. Well, it is the best kept secret, but it's, it's also y'all well marketed. I mean, you, it's starting... Uh, what I love over the last year, probably year and a half, is whoever's running marketing doing that is doing just a fantastic job. Agreed. That's James Norwood. He's top notch. Uh, it's just amazing. So let's talk a little bit about PTO yeah. and why regimented PTO policies aren't cutting it uh, for employees. So what do you what do you see in PTO today? Right now, we're seeing a lot of uh, of businesses move from uh, a vacation and sick policy into a more flexible schedule around um, paid time off as one Mm -hmm. bucket. Um, We're also seeing companies who are providing an even larger bucket of paid time off that they can use for whatever they need to, to account for more sick time. Seeing a lot, a lot right now. Um, You know, some, one thing, a great resignation has shown us is that employees want to make sure that their companies are taking care of them. Uh, And, you know, benefits as a whole are really, it's a big part of this. And, you know, this is being flexible from from a paid time off perspective is something that uh, employees really value. We're seeing the the increase in the value of flexibility, especially as we we start talking about even more. And I know this it feels like we've been talking about this forever, but um, 
a kind of a different look at, at the return to the office uh, mm-hmm. as well. Those strategies. So I'm one of these folks with uh, when, when unlimited PTO first came to market, I was a buyer. In fact, mm-hmm. I loved it, released it on uh, my internet agency at the time. Uh, and no one took off. Right. Was, <laughs> the, the guilt and shame. It's- and and, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what. Maybe it's, I. I don't. I don't know what I created. But but uh, but people wouldn't take off. And it, and it, and and it, and it drove me crazy, mm-hmm. because when there was like you know three weeks or whatever the whatever the bit was, mm-hmm. they'd take off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when when we went to an unlimited PTO, they they literally would not. They'd work themselves into being sick. I'm yeah. like. Uh, yeah, I observed so, something similar to that William huh. Micro as well. I I I had it was out of business where I went with a, a non accruing PTO call it pause. We don't call it unlimited, um, right? But uh, there's right. a lot of great business reasons and cultural reasons why that can work in, in many uh, situations and for many companies. But um, you do often find that uh, that there's a a net- negative connotation to taking time when they don't actually accrue it. I think. Yeah, um, and, or you have to give reasons. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think I think that's some like if you you just need need a day to go to the museum, all right. Yeah, mental <laughs> health, right? Like, yeah, get, get your mind right. Yeah, you should do that. Like, we shouldn't have to talk about it. Just you know, make sure that you know, again, making sure that things are covered and uh, you know, making sure that you're, everyone knows what's going on. You know, that's different. But that's just communication. Like yeah. you need a day off, take the yeah. day off. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, and again, we don't need a long discussion about. I need to go to the museum. <laughs> just <laughs> but, go to the museum. You're right, good. right. But What's the interesting, th- right? The interesting thing here, William, though, is that employees are still asking for unlimited time off, which is really, really interesting. You know, we did a survey. If you might not know, um, a new survey here, and we asked full-time employees in the U.S. To, what unique benefits or perks would motivate you at work the most. And over half, 53% of people responded with unlimited time off. And I think it still resonates with the employee population as being this incredibly kind of flexible, to your point, benefit that can be offered by an employer. It takes a lot of time um, to implement right and to communicate and educate employees and to make sure that we're disciplined on the amount of time. But I don't disagree. I have I've really not seen this incredible increase in, in people taking time off by offering that as a, as a flexible benefit and, and employees still want it. Do, do, uh, do CFOs get freaked out about unlimited PTO? <laughs> no, actually, this is really interesting. I, in working with many CFOs over the course of my, <laughs> of my, uh, my uh, experience in HR, uh, it, it certainly depends on the CFO. It depends on the on the structure of the organization and, and the success of the business from a financial perspective, certainly. But the interesting thing about unlimited time off or unaccrued time is that they're not carrying time on their balance sheet. Ah, uh, okay. So you don't have to worry so much about having to plan to pay off all of this time. Let's say the company's purchased or you have to lay off individuals and in states where it's required that you pay out their time or you have a policy that requires that you pay out that time, you have to carry that on your balance sheet. And if you have an unaccrued time off policy or an unlimited time off policy, you don't have to do that. So it's actually um, less of a burden from a financial perspective for many organizations. I can see that. I can see that because, again, when it's fixed, uh, it becomes a liability. It does. 
Yeah. yeah so, so other things from your report, uh, especially as it relates to regimented and things that aren't working, uh, and even things that are working. Yeah. So, quite a few things um, for this survey. The most common benefit types for, for full-time employees is that they wanted, of course, access to healthcare, dental, retirement plans. We know that all of those are super important, and uh, oftentimes seen as just being standard by domestic workforces. Um, but there are other benefits that are less likely to be offered that are kind of moving up the stack here <laughs> from, from an interest perspective for employees and an importance perspective of, of employees. And there's a few that many companies haven't adopted yet that I, I'd love to just kind of point out. One, one is that student loan debt relief, um, really, really current, um, really now, uh, and very popular right now. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, for an organization and provide that type of guidance and, and assistance for for employees uh, that is not uh, expensive, you know, comparatively. Uh, right. So really cost effective. Uh, transit and parking reimbursement. Certainly transit reimbursement right now is huge because gas is so expensive. Um, so there are a lot of employees that are turning to public transit in areas where that makes sense. And then parking reimbursement um, because, uh, you know, leases are getting more expensive. Um you know, driving your car to work is so much more expensive. Those those smaller perks that, that can really help an employee understand that you're trying to offset some of that is really important. And then the other piece that's really come up because a lot of folks during COVID got new animals. Uh-huh. <laughs> pet insurance. It's, it's pet insurance. Yep. Um, you know, those of us who needed a little, uh, had the time at that time to be home and, and uh, wanted to add to their family, uh, add a pet to their family. Uh, they're now finding that they need to make sure that there's, they're taking care of them. Uh, so pet insurance is really, it's, it's getting up there. It was my first podcast at Sherm this year it was a, a person, a company that does pet insurance. Yeah. And my partners were fascinated that I, <laughs> to and me basically like, how did you hold a conversation about pet insurance for 30 minutes? I'm like, I'm actually fascinated by it. Like, I, I love it. <laughs> well, it works like any other insurance. And you, know, right. you know, they're a member of your family. They're going to get ill. Yep. They're, you know, you're going to have things you need to pay for. And so why not plan for that? So it, it totally makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. So let's, let's go back to PTO for just a second yep. mm-hmm. and deal with kind of the concept of intentionality and how one kind of builds the right policy for their group of yeah. people, for their. And so on the first side, I want to ask you, how do they build it? If you know, and then how do they make sure that it's actually accurate? Like, how do they audit it? Yeah, yeah. So I think it probably makes the most sense to to kind of take it from the top and first understand how your company uses PTO, mm-hmm. um, and you almost break it down by by business function to understand how the different business functions utilize their PTO. It's very common for different business functions to use it differently. Sales forces use it differently than developers. Um, people who are remote use it differently than. at different levels, right, of of liability for the organization um, and uh, then individuals who come into the office. You want to look at a bunch of different demographics there so that you understand what the impact to going to a non-occurring policy will be from a cultural perspective, but also from a financial perspective. Um, You also then are looking for opportunities um, and uh, from a change management perspective. So you're looking at, you know, how would your employees feel about this? Maybe you ask them, you send as a part of an engagement survey, you talk to them a little bit more about how they value their PTO and what they would do if they had different scenarios of PTO, you know, as a hypothetical. So you get a little bit more information from them on how they might apply it. Um, And then you map it out. Really, 
honestly, well, in my experience, there's no difference from a policy perspective around non-accruing PTO and accruing PTO. It still needs to be approved. There still needs to be parameters around the, you know, uh, amount of time per year or per quarter or per, you know, whatever the time period is that that the company decides to define, uh, how, how much time we're expecting employees to take, right? What's, what's the, what are the parameters around this? It's incredibly similar when you start drafting it to probably your current PTO policy, to be quite frank. Um, in a lot of instances, it still needs to be pre-approved or they need to let their supervisor know, depending upon the company. Um, and so there really isn't a tremendous amount of policy change. And I think that's a big, um, uh, you know, an unknown when you haven't rolled one of these things out before, as you think, oh, everything's going to change, you know, how people are using it, what they're using it on and all of that. It doesn't really, really, all you're talking about is the difference between the perception that employees have control over their time and the, and the reality that you still have you know, p- policies and, and risk protection in place to be able to administer leaves with un- you know, unlimited PTO plans and, you know, and get approvals and mark their time cards and show how much time they've taken and all of that stays, stays pretty much the same. So the change management piece is really around you know, how it's handled financially um, you know, in the book. And uh, and how employees perceive their time that they're given. So uh, let's deal with the, the audit first. Uh, yeah. So to make sure that we know that it's working, so mm-hmm. we go into it, uh, uh, get nine months, year into it, etc. How do we? How do you have a finger on the pulse of what's working and what's not working with PTO? Yeah. So it's really about engagement, I think, mm-hmm. and and performance. Um, these are the PTO is a benefit. And employees that use it well um, for their own well-being and who partner with the organization on utilization of time off and how they use their time off are going to be successful. They're going to be good performers and there'll be people that are excited about the organization. And those that don't probably aren't particularly engaged and probably aren't your best performers. So if you just think about it as one benefit or a tool that employees can use um, and your, your performance parameters don't change and your uh, your organizational engagement and culture doesn't doesn't necessarily change. Then you you're using the same KPIs, the same uh, parameters that you were using previously, right? So you're using the same performance parameters um, to measure the success of the organization. If you see those flip, the implementation or or the application of a non-occurring policy could be the culprit there, and there could be some performance opportunities with certain individuals who who may be maybe abusing the opportunity to have on a group PTO. So uh, communication and consumption, like with benefits, I always yep. <laughs> say yep. the same thing every yep. time. It's not a benefit <laughs> unless people actually use it. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. again, you can offer pet insurance, but if no one uses said pet insurance, it's not really a benefit. But when you look at PTO, I would assume on one level, the business wants you to actually consume the PTO and be, you know, hundred percent consumed, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when you're not accruing, there is no such thing as hundred percent consumed, right? right? So That's still right. setting those parameters and helping folks understand what, what might, what we might define as healthy, a healthy amount of time off right. from a mental health perspective is really important. And communicating what, what, what is and isn't, especially mm-hmm. to folks that are probably newer to the workforce mm-hmm. or maybe new to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the lay of the land. Here's how this works. 
here's the process, et cetera. Absolutely. So in the non-occurring situation, you know, it's important for you to, to map out some scenarios for new hires that come on board, uh, especially scenarios associated with needing to take a leave of absence mm. um, and what the policies would be, because those would be new policies that you have to implement if you're going to uh, set some limits around your unaccrued PTO as it's combined or coordinated with leave. Um, and it's really important for employees to understand that, um, especially if you're an employer that offers um, a significant amount of opportunity for leave, like extended parental leave in states where it's not required or, um, you know, additional um, baby bonding for all uh, all genders. You know, there's certain things like that that you'll want to make sure that you're you're uh, building into your policies and best practices and guidelines um, going forward in this type of situation. But uh, helping employees understand that it's actually good for them to take time off in a non accrued <laughs> Right. Uh, right. environment, right? Like we're not expecting employees to take no time. We're also not expecting employees to take six months off a year. Right. right. So what, right, right. what do we feel is realistic? Uh, you know, what do we feel is, is right? What's the, what's the process for making sure that you and your supervisor and your peers have things covered, you know, that it's communication is key and transparency is key and, you know, folding all that back to your, to your values as an organization. Uh, it's really important for new hires so they can kind of get the, get with the program, if you will. Right. Um, uh, so let's walk backwards real quick and, and explain the differences between uh, non-accrued, accruing, and unlimited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, accrued is there's a certain amount of PTO that is accrued per year. Um, and you can accrue it in different ways. You could accrue everything on day one of the year, what either your fiscal year or calendar year, however you decided to find year. Um, and then, uh, you know, they can take against that that uh, time. In certain states, if you offer an accrual, it has to be, quote, traditionally accrued. So be accrued over a period of time. Um, you can give them a base of time and then accrue more time, or you can accrue more time by pay period. You can accrue it um, however you want to accrue it by quarter, whatever. But there are certain states like California that require um, certain um, guidelines around the use of paid time off if it is an accrued benefit, as well as the, the payout of time off unused and accrued. Uh, so you want to be careful about that when you're building your policy. Um, unlimited PTO is unaccrued PTO. Um, and it is where you're not setting a limit or um, a, uh, a contribution on a regular basis or annually to a paid time off bucket uh, of hours. Uh, and uh, however, it also allows for the use of paid time. Uh, and again, policy is very similar as far as approval of time and tracking of time. Use your system usually the same way um, where employees will request time um, or they'll enter their time so that it's tracked. So you can see uh, you can run reports right, and see uh, how many how much time people are taking um, realistically. But the importance around unlimited or unaccrued time off uh, from a policy is perspective is ensuring that employees are tracking it in the way that you want them to track it and not just taking time. Otherwise, you're never going to know what what the parameters of the time that they're taking is. You can make educated decisions about your policies going forward and and what's going to work best for your population. So it's really important to make sure that employees understand the compliance piece of that still exists. so I know I saw that y'all have hourly, some hourly yeah. customers and corporate salaried customers as well. What we call exempt and non-exempt for all the HR geeks out there. <laughs> um, 
Any any trends that you see more on the hourly side or more on the uh, salaried side? Yeah, so very, it's much, it's a different treatment of employee and from a cultural, of employees from a cultural perspective, I think it's harder for hourly employees to culturally transition to a non-occurring PTO policy. It's also very common that hourly uh, non-exempt employees uh, are at a lower level of discretion and scope within their own role. Um, And that makes the application of unaccrued or unlimited PTO, uh, I think, more difficult for them from um, an independent um, time management perspective. So it's more common, we see more common that uh, employers with large, uh, you know, p- percentage of their population that are uh, non or that are exempt uh, salaried employees um, will be able will be more apt to <laughs> or more open to or actually already have uh, in many cases an unlimited or undercurred PTO policy. Is uh, in your mind is and again not dealing with I solved, but in your mind is PTO kind of a, a negotiated. Uh, situation like for first for, for some exe- for some I would say executives but that's that's, totally, <laughs> <laughs> that's a little elitist of me right? I'm sorry let me back off of that for a moment <laughs> my bad is it is it is it a is it a negotiation or is it a set amount based on uh, tenure or etc yeah for us here the starting base salary for all employees is or a starting base PTO uh, um, accrual I should say annualized accrual uh, is generous. Um, and it's also the same for everyone. And there's a lot of reasons for that culturally for us here at ISOLS. We really uh, apply the win as one concept. And that means that executives don't have, you know, a different bonus program than our employees, for example. And, and this applies as well. They've seen benefit plans as well. Um, and, and so that resonates well with our culture that we don't have the additional tiers, but we do provide additional paid time off, which is very, um, common, uh, by, for tenure. Right. So, and, uh, you know, every year it goes up uh, and we feel like employees who have worked hard for us should be rewarded and should yeah. have, you know, access to to different uh, benefits where it makes sense to do. So just like, you know, the vesting on your 401k. Well, it's it's also it's rewarding loyalty and it's also yeah. uh, re- in, in a way it's also impacting retention. Yes, right? absolutely. Like, if someone comes along with a, an offer that's a little bit more in money, but, you know, you know, three weeks less in vacation or in, yeah. in, in PTO, eh. <laughs> yeah, probably not yeah. going to make that hop. So it, yeah. It, yeah. it helps on both sides. It really does. It really does. Two questions uh, left. One is about gig workers and kind of, mm-hmm. uh, kind of we've, we've talked in hourly or exempt and non-exempt. Well, there's this other world <laughs> of talent <laughs> that we're interacting with. Is there is there a way? Maybe it's benefits in general. Is there a way to interact with that audience that we're that we're not currently thinking about that we should be thinking about from a pay time off perspective? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I feel that gig workers have more control over the mm-hmm. gigs that they take um, right. and the amount of time that they work, and so you know they're able to manage their own time. So in effect, it, it, it's a little bit like a non occurring <laughs> You know, they, they have, they have more control over that, right? They're, they're not on 365 days a year or 365 minus standard holidays, right? Um, they can choose 
what they take. And so I personally, and in, in how I manage my workforce or, or the workforces that I support, um, don't make you know additional consideration for paid time off, except that we do when we have someone working through via you know 1099 or FOW or even independent contract, where we do make it clear that if you need to request time off during the period of the gig, that it will be unpaid time. Right. Um, and that we need to you know be provided notice and that type of of thing up front, so we don't run into issues where we have to make you know decisions about yeah, an individual. Course contract in the middle of a contract but no i i've really i've been a gig worker before <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and i know the flexibility and i get it you know you do make a, a higher in many cases a higher hourly rate to cover your own insurances and and, and benefits and i think yeah, paid time off and consideration for that is, is one of those things you manage through that as well so last question we're having this phone call a year from now <laughs> what's changed or has anything changed in pto Wow, you know what? Is this potential recession, you know, looms over us? We don't know what, what it's going to look like, or if it's going to be recession, or what they're going to call it. They're going to market it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll That's, see. It, it, this is you know? we're talking ourselves into it. That's what. Let's just face it. That's right. That's we're going right. into a recession. Let's stop spending. Well, you know, yeah. technically, well, if you stop spending, <laughs> you go into a recession. I don't know. Call me crazy. Yeah. I know it's a bit, it's a bit self prophesizing is it yeah. uh but you know you know as well as i do it's been a really candidate-centric market for a long time and i really feel like um you know benefit even in in tough markets i've worked in a few i've been around for a while as we discussed earlier and i've been through a few a few tough markets and uh from a candidate perspective and a, and a business perspective and and benefits do change, right? The employee focus on certain benefits change over time. Um, however, I'm not sure that we really swung all the way toward candidate-centric or, or employee-centric benefits, um, you know, full stop, full swing, full flexibility um, for most of, of the workforce. So I can see that we made progress toward more well-being, more wellness, more, you know, paid flexibility and paid time off and, and things that we maybe wouldn't have considered pre-pandemic. Um, but I'm not sure that we went so far one way that we're we're going to be in a corrective kind of situation um, or in a different situation in the next year. Um, I do feel like employees will uh, value-based pay more in uh, a market that is less buoyant. Um, they're going to be interested in cash um, and those benefits associated with cash. I think it's going to be about recency um, as opposed to long-term planning. Um, uh, and it, it will also be, I think employees will be hopefully more savvy and, and show more business acumen when considering increases to benefit premiums and things like that, or, or changes to their benefit plans because of tough financial decisions that organizations need to make. I think they're gonna have a little more um, understanding, hopefully, of how businesses have had to make some hard choices in order to ensure that they, you know, they stay buoyant. Uh, in sure. a tough market. So, and it's going to be important for us as, as business owners and, and advocates to help them understand that as well. So, drops mic, walks off stage. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for your time. Thank appreciate you. you. No, you might appreciate you as well. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.